HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Happy Chef Uniforms, the perfect style, whatever your recipe. Visit happychef.com to order your free 2018 catalog. Hey, Food Radio listeners. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie, and I'm really excited to share that we're launching a brand new show. Meat and 3 is HRN's weekly food news roundup. Tune in for a deep dive and three tasty shorts every Friday evening. It's 15 minutes, so you can listen while you wait for your pizza. This week, the fight for universal free lunch in New York City public schools isn't over yet. I'm overburdened. I'm overworked. I don't get staffed when people are out. Plus, Dana Cowan, former editor of Food & Wine magazine and host of HRN's Speaking Broadly, catches up with Valerie Lomas, the winner of the Great American Baking Show's Derailed Season 3. Discover how a Danish brewery is motivating people to get fit and hear Alison Roman speak to the highs and lows of her cookie recipe going viral. Every time I see anyone in a social setting, that's generally the first thing they ask me is, how are the cookies? Be better informed and wildly inspired by the stories and people you hear on Meet and 3. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, and welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. On today's episode, Gaz Oakley grew up on the south coast of Wales in the UK. He aptly chose catering as a subject for his GSCE when he was 14. And from there on out, food became his core. For years, Gaz cooked in hotels, restaurants. But it wasn't until a few years ago that he decided to become vegan and truly found his voice in food. Avant-Garde Vegan started as an Instagram feed and now has over 200,000 followers and then became a YouTube channel and now has over 400,000 subscribers. And now he's released his first cookbook, Vegan 100, that challenges the modern precepts of veganism with fun, flavorful recipes. Guys, welcome to the States. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Uh, This is kind of a felicitous thing because I forgot that I was vegan for a while. In college, I was vegetarian, and for about a year, I was vegan, and I actually broke my veganism while in Edgware, in London, because I got tired of eating halloumi sandwiches. <laughs> you did the opposite. Yes. You were a meat-centric person 
living in Cardiff, living, you know, in, in the UK and decided to drop all that meat. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so happy I did, obviously, now with everything that's going on. But um, yeah, as a, uh, and being in the professional kitchens, you didn't think anything of veganism at the time. This was uh, going back nearly 10 years ago. Uh, when a vegan came into the restaurant, we would be baffled of what to do, really. Um, but yeah, I never expected to go vegan. I actually did it overnight after watching a few um, documentaries and YouTube videos and... Uh, yeah, that was three years ago. Yeah, what documentaries and YouTube videos were those? Uh, so the YouTube video that really stuck in my head and made me switch completely was a speech by Gary Orofsky, a vegan activist. Um, but I also watched things like Cowspiracy, and uh, it was enough to make me go vegan. Yeah, when you were growing up, though, you were a meat eater. Yes. What, what did you and your family you know, usually have for breakfast, lunch, dinner? Well, so, so the reason I got into cooking was because my dad was is a, is a great cook. He, he still is. He cooks for my family every night, and he has done since I was I was a small 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 kid. So, as soon as I could stand above the kitchen counter, I'd be helping him in the kitchen, um, and that was from the age of I don't know, six seven. So I've always been passionate about cooking. Um, it wasn't until I got slightly older where you know I could take it as a, D, a GCSE sh- subject in school. And it, it became more serious. But um, we were eating just simple stuff. My dad loved people like Jamie Oliver, Gordon Ramsay. We ha- constantly had cooking programs on in, in the house. Um, some British chefs like Rick Stein, and um, who used to travel the world and, and cook. And that was something that I've always wanted to do. And hopefully I'll get the opportunity to, opportunity to do in the future. Well, I mean, you made it to Brooklyn. That's a start. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so grateful to be here. And what an amazing place. And the sun is shining today. It's, it's, it it's beautiful. You brought this over for us. <laughs> yeah, because it's sunny all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, this GSCE, uh, General Certificate of Secondary Education, yeah, you did this at the right young age of 14. You chose to take catering yeah. as, as a discipline. What was that course and why that decision? It was actually quite strange to all my friends because I, I was always into sport. I was in all the, all the sports teams and that was my passion. Um, but, um, you know, at, at home I was cooking with my dad every night. I loved it. I was, it was a way for me to express my creativity. And then you, at 13, you can choose your, your chosen subject. So my friends were choosing sport, um, art. You could choose two. So I chose art and I chose um, catering, which is cooking. So, um, yeah, it was just to learn the basics. I found that I was well advanced in comparison to lots of my um, classmates. And that was just because it's something that I did every night with my dad. So um, it was just an opportunity opportunity for me to just uh, express my creativity, learn some of the basics. And at 4, 15, they sent sent you out into a, into a professional kitchen for a week. And that is where I, I fell in love with the adrenaline rush of kitchens and um, realizing that in one week, I learned as much as I had done in you know, my lifetime at home with my dad and in catering in school, um, just from the, the professional uh, chefs around me and, and sort of soaking up all their knowledge was uh, was amazing just to get that in one week. So um, as, as soon as I turned 16, when we we're allowed to leave school, uh, I left much to my parents' disappointment. <laughs> but you went to this place called La- Le Galois. Le Galois, uh, yeah. And yeah. it was, I mean, you were only 16, 17 at that time. And again, you had chosen at 14 or 15, that this was your path. What were you doing at Le Galois, and did it make you want to continue down the restaurant mm. role? So basically, at, um, when, I, when I left school, I, I went to, back to the, the hotel where I, um, I, got my, I did my work experience, and I worked there for a couple of years. And I found that I learned as much as I sort of could there. It was a great place to, to, um, to start off. 
but then there was I, I heard so much about this restaurant called La Galois in Cardiff and it, it had such a good reputation I heard the chef had travelled all around the world lived in California um, Japan and, and getting all this amazing um, experience behind him and he was cooking some amazing food in Cardiff and it, it's, it hasn't got an amazing food scene but um, what he was doing was incredible so one day I turned up at the door during um, just after a lunchtime service with um, my CV with some pictures of my food and just said to the chef um, please can I work for you for free and this was at 17 I, I, I can't believe I had that confidence back then but I was so driven I wanted to go to Paris and become the best chef possible um, and he, he must have um, sort of seen my enthusiasm and a week later he hired me after doing a, a trial shift and um, that is where I, I learned how to cook properly um, being in that environment of, of all these different chefs who've, who've travelled who've been doing it for a huge amount of time um, was just so good for me unfortunately um, you know the chefing industry is long tedious hours and at such a young age it was tough for me I found myself sleeping in in my car during short breaks throughout the day getting totally burnt out but the, the thrill of service and the food we were putting out was just so incredible it, it was it was all worth it and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if I hadn't got that experience from Le because the food was just incredible yeah it, it's it was funny reading through your bio that after that you kind of left cooking for a while and mm. became a salesman for civil engineering materials <laughs> i don't even want to know what those no, are no. i almost want to skip over that part of your life mm. I, I don't know if you do too because then you found this voice again in food by becoming a vegan yeah. and you said that choice was because of youtube and and you know documentaries but it's also this passion for creativity and the way that you could express yourself. Do you feel like your food, how has your food changed from before veganism to now? Aside from the obvious. Yeah, well, um, to be honest with you, I'm still using the, um, the core um, like fundamentals of cooking properly, um, making sure we're seasoning at every stage, bringing out the flavors. You know, I've, I've, I've had to change because, you know, lots of the time you're using that piece of meat or fish to create the dish now i'm 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 recreating that sometimes or i'm um bringing in different flavors to try and get the same sort of bold flavors but um in terms of my my presentation um the style of cooking i'm, I'm still trying to do often french cuisine uh, modern food so yeah i, I think it has changed quite a lot because often i'm i'm asked to recreate stuff that people miss and i miss so yeah yeah, going through there, and we'll talk about this later, there are a lot of kind of quotations. <laughs> uh, fake meats or, you know, fake... Let's not use the word fake. Replacement meats yeah. or replacement cheeses. Mm. It's interesting to hear from someone who, you know, turned vegan that they still miss certain meat things. Mm. Uh, what is it that you miss about certain meats or those flavors or those profiles that you then recreate? I don't necessarily miss it. I just think that, um, you know, after 20 odd years of um, eating no, a, a traditional diet, you become accustomed to those flavors. And the reason I, I often do recreate these, these dishes is not because I generally miss them. It's because I think to myself that if a non-vegan is sort of playing with the idea of going vegan and, and realize they can have a fillet steak Wellington, um, which is in my book, cheeses, um, sausages, they're going to think, okay, I'm not going to miss that thing. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go vegan. So that is the reason I, I recreate these dishes. Do you ever present those dishes to friends and family and not tell them that it's vegan? <laughs> I, 
I've, I've always wanted to get like a, a food truck and, and dress it up in maybe like a traditional um, boarding, get all the, the designs right and maybe do like a, a British fish and chip truck and just go to a, a seaside resort in, in the UK and, and serve up my tofu fish <laughs> and see what people say because the nori sheet that, that adds that taste of sea flavour is incredible and it tastes like fish and chips. So. I know, I was <laughs> looking at that photo and it was ingenious, Thank you know, you. and you use tofu and seitan and a lot of those things as replacement for meat, but adding that, that Christmas, uh, crispness and freshness yeah. of the sea through seaweed, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's quite inventive. See, nori is, uh, is an amazing ingredient. I, um, I do, I've done scallops on my YouTube channel with king oyster mushrooms and poached them first in um, a broth with nori. And then I've actually reduced that down, added some oat cream and, and made a taste of the sea foam. And it's like, it's like a dish that I would have served in Lagawa. I wish I, wish I had that, that, that knowledge of being able to um, play around with vegan ingredients. I would have loved to have served that up to the chef and said, this isn't scallops, this is my... Yeah. This is my um, king oyster mushroom scallops. So what was the first photo that you posted on Instagram? <laughs> oh, God, good question. Um, I think it was actually just because um, at, the, at the start, I didn't have a, you know, I didn't have a good camera. I just wanted to show my friends what I was eating. So I just generally, I think it was a breakfast porridge or something like that, just to show people what I was eating. But um, Porridge is like the least photogenic thing that you could probably put up for I your made, first photo. I made it photogenic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did it way over the top, but um, no, it was, it was nice. Um, it wasn't in, until a couple of months later where I saw people starting to follow me more and more, requesting the recipes that I decided to take it more seriously and get a camera. I was skiving off my, my job a lot. To, to do these pictures yeah but, <laughs> but i mean you're self-taught in photography and styling and props and i know you have a a loft or an apartment filled with these things i wish i had a loft yeah. or a part. it's literally in my bedroom in yeah. my parents home in cardiff um and my parents have been amazing they, they've built me sort of shelves where i can put all these these bowls and plates and stuff that i've collected from my travels and yeah that's a big thing to me now food photography styling is something that um, i'm really passionate about Excellent. Well, we're going to take a quick break and come back to your new book, Vegan 100. Awesome. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. Maybe you're looking for a coat for yourself, or you want a bold look for your staff. You might even need a new style for your restaurant, whether it's modern, industrial, or farm-to-table. Whatever you're looking for, Happy Chef has got you covered. Their wide variety of chef apparel and products are perfect for teams of all sizes and styles. And with the industry's easiest custom embroidery, you can add your logo, name, or fun artwork to many of their other products in minutes. Here's what you do. Visit happychef.com and choose from their incredible selection. With only a couple clicks, you can customize many of their products to personalize your look. Right now, they're even offering free custom logo setup on all orders over $150, a $95 value totally free. Visit happychef.com now to order your free 2018 catalog featuring new styles and incredible comfort. Happy Chef, the perfect style, whatever your recipe. Hey, and welcome back to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Gaz Oakley, 
the avant-garde vegan, and his new book, Vegan 100. And he's not trying to trick you here, you know, you meat eaters. He's just trying to show you how good veganism can be. And I've been obsessing over a couple of your YouTube videos, and let, let's just say, so have 400 plus thousand people. <laughs> the amount of subscribers, the amount of followers you have on Instagram, you're doing something right. And I, I can just tell right now, you have such a warm and personable rapport. How, how does that come across in a photo, you know, in front of the camera for a video? Were you comfortable doing that at first? Oh, no. <laughs> um, I never thought I could, I could do it. So um, I, my, the first time I stood in front of cameras for my, my, for my YouTube videos, I was stiff, shy, really uncomfortable. Um, but as I got into it and, and realized that, you know, I'm, all I'm doing is cooking and that's what I, I know how to do. That's the thing that I'm, I feel I'm good at. So um, I just got into it. And I thought that maybe um, the, the audience wouldn't sort of like my, my sort of demeanor, which is just chilled and just myself. Because lots of the time you see on YouTube and your, your certain TV chefs are really over the top and sort of in your face. But uh, I'm totally not that. But um, no, people are, people are liking my boring, awkwardness. <laughs> Yeah, you think so it's, it's quite good. Yeah, it, it is not boring at all. I mean, I watch your burrito video multiple times. Awesome. And again, I think it comes from someone who not only worked in a professional kitchen, but did eat meat before to mm. understand that you want those mushrooms in your burrito crispy and, yeah. and you know... Full of umami. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But to coax that out, it can often be a ploy of like just throwing a lot of fat at it. Mm. But you're so smart in the way that you do texture modifications and layer flavors. Um, and it obviously shows in this book, too. But I want to get at the, the, the foundational things. And those are the dairy replacements. You know, you make your own milks by nut milks. You make your own butter, and I'm air quoting, cream cheese, nacho cheese sauce, mozzarella. Uh, how do you make all those things? And why is that an important part to your pantry? Well, it's sort of the household um, the items that you would always have in any kitchen, regardless of, regardless of it, if it's vegan or not. So when I was coming up with the, the list of recipes going into my book, I was thinking, right, I'm going to need pastry in there because that's an important recipe for obviously any sort of tart or um, pie, you guys call it. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, right, well, I can't not, I can't tell them to go and use shop-bought butter. I need to give them a... Uh, uh, even even if they do go and get a shop-bought butter, you know, I want to give them the option of being able to make it. So I thought, right, let me experiment. And, and that's how sort of the pantry section sort of grew and grew and grew. Um, I love my pizza, so that's why the, the mozzarella was in there. But um, yeah, it's um, I'm, I'm glad there's a, there's a good amount of basics in there. Whether people use them, um, it's, it's up to them. But it's, it's, really not, it's a really nice feeling when you create your homemade butter or your milks and it's so cost effective and you know exactly what's gone into these um, products so what's gone into them i know it starts with nut milk but how do you make your butter butter so you, you need to get that um, emulsion with oil and uh, soy lecithin which really helps make it really creamy so that's that's the main ingredient so simple to make and it, it makes such a good batch where you can just stick it in the fridge or the freezer and you're yeah, so cost effective and again like these cheeses uh, I saw a photo of your mozzarella dippers and oh, yeah. the fact that they pull like they do too. I mean, you're, you're recreating this texture mm. that people know so well. Yeah. I mean, how were you able to do that with mozzarella? So um, I, I had to do a lot of research, but um, tapioca starch is um, it, the magic ingredient to make them stretchy. And you can use corn flour, but tapioca starch 
has that real stretchiness. And those mozzarella dippers are doing really well on my YouTube channel. I didn't quite expect it, but um, so so incredibly tasty. Yeah, I mean, from the land of fish and chips, I feel like you're a very good fryer. Um, and there are a lot of fried things in here from your riff on Kentucky Fried Chicken, um, you know, chicken nuggets, and that kind of stuff. Uh, that texture, that crispness, I, I think is lost often in veganism, or when people cook vegan food, they don't think about that texture. Mm. And how important is texture and layering those things to you? I can definitely tell you've had years in yeah, the kitchens, yeah. because I, I, I don't know whether about you, but I was taught to get a series of textures in the dishes. You don't want everything to be the same texture. And it's so important when I was, when I was creating my dishes uh, in the kitchens and now to get an element of crispness. And often that is from frying stuff. I don't mind frying stuff. I love it as long as, and actually I find if you, if you're using clean oil, if you're using a good quality oil, if you drain off the excess oil on kitchen paper, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's never really fatty. You know, you get a light crisp off, crispness often especially if you use stuff like panko breadcrumbs which are already crispy um i love i love fried stuff i love crisp i love crispiness a lot so uh yeah i'm a big fan and you seemingly love bacon what is <laughs> what is streaky bacon um yeah I, I wasn't actually a huge bacon fan growing up it, it just goes back to the point where i, I say um that uh, the, the dishes that I'm making, the recreation that I'm making is to, to prove to non-vegans that they can still have this type of food when they go vegan. So um, uh, when I speak to a lot of people, uh, non-vegans, they say to me, oh, I could never go vegan. I love bacon too much. So it was my plan to come up with a bacon that is just as similar to actual bacon. So the streaky bacon is made from seitan. Um, it took me a while to get right, but you can actually see the streak going through it. It's two different color um, um, seitan molded together, and it creates the most incredible crisp bacon, which is uh, so, so good. And, and you that's also on have, my YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, and you also have coconut bacon but, uh, bits. You have smoky tempeh bacon. You have aubergine or eggplant, eggplant yeah. bacon. Um, then there are a lot of these other kind of meat replacers, like you said before, a breakfast sausage or a seitan filet steak Wellington, and that looks like an epic project. It was, it's a <laughs> lovely picture. Um, quarter pounders, chorizo vegan hot dogs, sticky barbecue ribs. So those foods that you know meat eaters or omnivores crave, like you said, aren't going to be missed if they mm -hmm. choose to go vegan or choose not to eat meat that day yeah. there are all these dishes that can be recreated definitely yeah and it's such an excitement for me when i'm when i'm when i do nail these replacements at home and my mum's recently well she's gone vegan just over a year ago now so serving that up to my mum whatever it is a ribs or the steak or, or whatnot she's so pleased so um yeah if, if my mum gets that reaction if i get the reaction i'm sure that Vegans all around the country and all around the world will get the same reaction, and non-vegans as well will realize that, yeah, we can still get that. You know, vegans eat vegetables, too, and we've rarely talked about some of your favorite vegetables and vegetable yeah. dishes in this book. Uh, what are some of your favorite vegetables and preparations? Yeah, I, what I will say is that I don't live off these replacements constantly. Yeah. <laughs> They're amazing for, um, you know, special treats. Um, but um, I, I generally eat a whole foods um, diet, although that being, it, being in Brooklyn the last two days, I've eaten a lot of junk food. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, though. Um, but yeah, my favorite vegetables, butternut squash, kale, asparagus. I love mushrooms. Um, butternut squash and uh, butternut squash is probably my favorite all time vegetable because you can do so much to it and pumpkin in general. 
Yeah, such an amazing. Yeah. What vegetable. What can you do to it other than the puree, the soup? Um, you can roast it whole. You can stuff it. You can make the the skin crispy. You can make it into chips, wedges. Um, God, what else can you do for it? You can make raviolis from it. You can make pasta with it. You can yeah, you can blend it into the pasta. Loads of things. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I actually there was this picture. I was going through my recipe yeah, book in my head. <laughs> but there was this Christmas time recipe, right? It was a stuffed squash. Oh, yes, yes, that yeah. was gorgeous. Yeah, and that's a good sort of segue onto my next sort of announcement that I've just oh, written yeah. the Christmas book. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> so yeah, um, and I just today uploaded the, the finalized front cover onto my Instagram page and. Um, that for me is uh, is an, uh, an amazing book because I had the experience of writing the first one. I used the same food photographer. I was a lot more confident in the studio with um, digging out all the props, styling the food and whatnot. And um, the recipes are are really good. So um, I'm really excited about that. And that stuff squash, yeah, is such a that's in the book as well because um, it, it did so well on the YouTube channel. It's 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 a, it's a thing of beauty. It definitely is. It tastes great. Well, if this was your freshman effort, the sophomoric one is only going to be that much better because this <laughs> yeah. is a triumph. This Thank is you so much. Really well done job. And for all of you who don't follow oh Gaz Hoakley yet, yeah. um, I'm assuming most people do, being that you have 200,000 and 400,000. <laughs> check out Avant Garde Vegan yeah. at Twitter, Instagram, That's and yeah. av- com for did, everything else. I did say on... Um, on YouTube that when I hit 1 million subscribers it will be when I announce my uh, my first restaurant so I'm I'm hoping people start subscribing me more and more quickly yeah, so yeah. I can <laughs> announce my first restaurant because something that's uh, is a dream of mine it has been a dream since I was a kid so that's all I really want to do in Cardiff um, wherever I settle excellent we'll be watching yeah. thank you excellent. so much thanks so much guys thanks for being on a big thank you to Happy Chef Uniforms as sponsors music by Cookies and David Tattashore Engineering your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hope to have you back here. Listen to the food scene next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.